0: Acts opens with this line in my former book, Theophilus. Luke is actually talking about a group of people who are God's beloved. And when he says my former book, he's really referring to the gospel of Luke. And at the very end of that gospel, the most incredible thing happens. Jesus not only dies on the cross but then he is resurrected from the dead and reveals himself to a group of people, two men on the road to Emmaus as well as all the disciples that have been waiting in the upper room in Jerusalem for him. And during that time, uh, it doesn't say it in the Gospel of Luke but in Acts it does that Jesus spent 40 days uh, confessing the truth of the scriptures to these people. And as they grew in wisdom, their hearts and minds were open to what God was going to do next through them. And as that chapter ends and Acts begins, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says these powerful words. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit." It's amazing that this is really a command to wait. I don't know about you, but it's probably one of the hardest commands as a follower of Christ I've ever experienced in my life, to wait. Right now, we're in a season of waiting. We're waiting to see what's going to happen with this pandemic. We're waiting to see what stores will open or close. We're waiting to see when the churches will be able to fill with people again. We're waiting. But what God is saying here is so powerful for us that our waiting is really on him. Now, the the reason he's waiting here is because he wants to give them this great gift, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the disciples are frustrated with this. They don't really understand what it means to have the power of God in their lives. Now, what Jesus is talking about is not simply the power of God, but even the presence of God and how when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, We now have the indwelling of God inside of us. I love how the scriptures use the word tabernacled or dwelled. That is significant for you and me because that means we now become the temples of the living God. So when the disciples begin asking silly questions, they say, well, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And what they're referring to here is this idea that God would, ref- would restore Israel back to its golden age, back when David was on the throne and then his son Solomon, when Israel was its own sovereign country and everybody bowed down to them in fear and reverence because they knew what a powerful nation they were. But what Jesus is talking about here is not simply a nation, but he's talking about his kingdom rule. No longer will we need nations because we'll have one God to rule over all of us the person of Jesus seated on the throne, both the author and sustainer of life and also the judge and redeemer of life. And so what Jesus does next is he helps to break down that false belief that it's not no longer about a human kingdom, but about a kingdom of God's rule. So in verse 7, he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke is so creative in how he defines the rest of this book because everything boils down and breaks down to these specific areas and they follow this exact pattern that Jesus just challenged them with. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we begin to unfold through the rest of the book of Acts, we're going to see this whole story begin to pan out as they move from Jerusalem to uh, Judea to Samaria and off to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to focus on this power of God coming into us through the Holy Spirit. Now, at this particular point, we're going to see some pretty miraculous things happen in chapter 2. Tongues of fire, a violent wind, people being awed and, and cut to the heart when they hear the word of God. But for our purposes, this is what happened in order to bring about something new. As the people of God have gathered in Jerusalem for this incredible festival of weeks, or the celebration of the Torah that has now come to God's people, so the Holy Spirit is bringing the Torah not only to our minds and our hearts, but indwelling our lives so that we become children of the living God, the living Word of God. Now, I want you to spend time this week really contemplating what does it mean to become the temple of the living God? What ramifications does that have for you and for me to know that God indwells us? And so everything we say and do matters. How we interact with people is exactly how people will see the kingdom of God. Now, this is not meant to, to be judgmental or, or to bring guilt or shame upon you or, or to challenge you in a way that makes you feel inferior. Not at all. Simply looking at these scripture verses, we see that God has chosen just regular everyday people just like you and me. To pour out his spirit upon us, he's looking for people that want to follow him. People that he wants to know on a deeper level and wants to know him on a deeper level. And in doing so, this power of the Holy Spirit or the indwelling of God begins to fill our lives and it does something radical. It begins changing our head and our heart. A few weeks ago we looked at Jeremiah chapter 36 where God says, I want to put a heart of flesh in your body and remove the heart of stone. And that heart of stone is something that we all suffer with. We struggle wanting to be our own gods. We struggle with dealing with the unfairness of the world. We struggle with who we are and our calling and our purpose. But as God begins to restore and put a new heart of flesh in our bodies through the Holy Spirit, you and I become children of the living God with a purpose to go and be a witness to the world. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're to stand on street corners and yell at people going by, but what it does mean is that people will look at us and see the witness of God alive and well in our lives. And so my prayer this week for you is that you really turn deep into the scriptures and in your prayer time with God, that you will really focus on this concept of what does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to become a temple of the indwelling Spirit of God, and then to think, how can God use me? In fact, I want you to make that your prayer this week. God, how will you use me not only as your temple, but as a place in which others can witness your power in your resurrection? Father, would you bring peace to our lives and would you allow us to bring peace to others that they might know the true God through our actions, our words, and the ways in which they interact with us. Well, I'd love to celebrate communion with you this morning. If you don't have elements, I I ask you to get up and grab something. Perhaps you're with family or friends or maybe even by yourself. Today I've grabbed a pretzel and I've got my coffee and so I'd love to lead you in some communion today. As Jesus stood with his disciples during the Passover meal, he gave thanks to God. And as he broke the bread, he reminded them that in the same way his body would be broken for them. These are the exact words and that Jesus will remind the disciples at the end of the chapter of Luke. He's going to remind them that everything was done for the fulfilling not only of God's pleasure and purpose, but to fulfill all the Old Testament promises that God would have to send a Messiah to come and die for you and for me. And so this broken body represents what Christ did on the cross for you and for me, that his body was broken so that ours didn't have to be, that the wrath of God towards all injustice, all evil, uh, all sin in this world would be poured out on a perfect offering, the one that was given to us through God himself. So take and eat and be thankful. Jesus then takes the cup and celebrating the idea of wine being made, grapes being crushed. He gives thanks to God and he is reminding the people around him that this also serves as a beautiful metaphor for what he's come to do. That as God pours out his wrath on Christ and crushes those grapes, his blood will flow and that will become the sin offering for you and for me. That under that amazing precious gift of Christ's sacrifice, his love for us, we now stand in perfect union with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And upon accepting Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit begins to take up residence immediately in your life and in mine. And so for those that trust in Christ, we give thanks to God for all that he has done for us. So take and drink and be thankful. My friends, this concludes our time together today. However, I do encourage you to go to our website, uh, www.churchinthemall.com and download the reading plan for the book of Acts. We will be starting uh, Acts chapter 1 this week and working our way through and then on to chapter 2 the following week. But I'd love for you to read your scripture. I'd love for you to be in the Word of God each and every day. And I'd love for you to even think about getting a journal, a place where you can write down ideas, thoughts, questions, or key words that pop out to you. Don't ever underestimate the power of God at work in your life and what He wants to do with you. My friends, go in the peace and the knowledge of Christ, and I look forward to seeing you.